Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Wester Hales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you'll be blessed through it. We've been looking at the, the book of Hebrews and uh, oh, about a month ago we started by looking in uh, chapter 11 at all the, these heroes of faith and the chapter began with this kind of definition about what faith is. But then curiously, after that, what we didn't get was a bit of explanation. You kind of feel that it's a very, it's a bit abstract and it gives you the concept without really going any further. What happens immediately after that is the demonstration of faith. Rather than try and say, well, faith is, this is how it works in this situation, it says, okay, this is it. This is when faith was demonstrated. That's where we're going to start from this morning. So let's just uh, ask the Lord to, to be our, the, the, the one whose voice we're hearing, Lord. This is our desire this morning to hear from you. You, you said, Lord Jesus, he who has an ear, let him hear. And so we pray that we'd all be hearing your voice this morning. Help us to know what you're saying to us and help us to have the courage, the grace to have a heart that's willing to receive your word and act upon it. And so because it's all about your word, then we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So if you have uh, Hebrews chapter 11 open, we, we get this, this definition of faith. He, Hebrews, as we've said, is a book that uh, has a lot of the Old Testament scriptures as we know them, or the, the Jewish scriptures. This was being written then for a people who would have a familiarity with the Old Testament. So as much as we don't know everything about where the book came from, we imagine that it was being written for people then who knew the Old Testament. So maybe a Jewish audience, maybe in fact a Jewish audience who'd come to know about Jesus. And so the whole book points to Jesus and it does it by using the Old Testament and it shows how the Old Testament points to Jesus. Now, if you're a Jewish scholar, you think of the Old Testament or any of us, we think of the Old Testament, how does it begin? Creation, yeah, okay. So the first thing that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, we get this definition, and then the, the portion there, verse 3, that Ian led us through, um, about creation, to say how, yeah, because of, of God, uh, we understand that creation was made by him in faith, and that was out of nothing. So that's the right place to begin. If we're, going to, if we're going to use the Old Testament as our framework, let's start with the Old Testament. Sorry, with creation. So start with creation, and then who's next? Uh, first people, okay, Adam and Eve. Well, Adam isn't really known as being the good guy in all this. Uh, and when we read about Adam, it's usually associated with what he did wrong, and it's seen as associated with sin. So who's after Adam? Well, Adam, Eve, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. 
And Jeremy led us through the account of Cain and Abel. I'm just going to take it from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Because verse 1 has told us what faith is. uh, That faith is something to be commended for. Verse 2. Verse 3, the universe was formed. So we begin this train through the Old Testament. And then by faith, this is verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Little diversion now for today in Enoch. Uh, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I'm not sure if we'll get time to look at Enoch. We won't do today. Um, but it'd be a shame just to miss him out totally. It's an amazing guy. What, what do we know about Enoch? Suddenly is somebody in the Bible who he was and then he was not. And in some ways, it's a like, pointer to eternal life. The fact that what there is here is just temporal, is just now. But there's something beyond that. And that's what Enoch seemed to go straight from, maybe even then without knowing death. Hmm. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we move on to Cain and Abel, and it's Abel who's picked out here in the book of Hebrews. Abel, yeah, of course, Abel. Well, oh, hang on a minute. What do we know about Abel? Very little. We know he was a farmer. He kept livestock. He gave an offering. He got duped into the fields by his brother and murdered. All right. Very little we know about Abel. We know a little bit more about Cain. Um, The first thing we read about Cain uh, is that Eve gave birth to a son. And it says how she brought forth a son. And that's connected with his name, Cain. Now, we know Abel's name means a sort of breath or vapor. But it doesn't, it doesn't say that in Genesis. It just it, it goes into half a line to explain, yeah, Cain was brought forth. Oh, and by the way, there's Abel. Uh, so there's, again, there's no, there's no take on, on Abel. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Eve was being prophetic there because we don't know nothing about Cain except... He's gone. <laughs> he was murdered. That thin mist or vapour here for a while and gone. Prophetic maybe, as we'll see later. Abel kind of lives on rather than Cain. Cain's known for certain things. Uh, even that, that verse when Jeremy read it today, you can't miss it, can you? Am I my brother's keeper? There weren't too many people around. He didn't have too many brothers around. There weren't that many people on earth at that stage, and he just murdered one of them. This is news at 10 stuff, isn't it? This is, this is the big story of the day. And there's Cain saying, am I my brother's keeper? And we all know that verse in Scripture because we know, well, of course you're your brother's keeper. You're the only one around who should be looking after him. So again, that's, that's often how Cain's known. We know that he, he uh, we say, tilled the soil. So he got vegetables from it, uh, maybe a few flowers. Um, and he gave an offering. Okay, Cain gave an offering. Abel gave an offering. Um, uh, but Abel's offering wasn't approved. And so um, he got a bit sad, a bit angry. He got a warning from God. 
got a warning from God saying, look, your attitude's not right here. You need to get that sorted. Get it right. Get your, get your attitude right now. Okay, your offering's wrong this time, but let's see what we can do. And yet, Cain at that point got hold of Abel, said, come on, lad, we'll go outfield. He's gone to the field and he killed him. So he didn't take the warning. So we know a little bit about Cain. Cain, after that, we read on the story of Cain. Uh, he was obviously a little bit frightened as to what was going to happen. We know there was a dialogue with God and uh, he was worried he was going to be picked on and basically finished off for what he'd done to his brother. Uh, and we said, we're told God placed a mark on him of, of protection. So God was willing to do that, unable to do that for Cain. So what had actually taken place? Well, one had given an offering and the other had given an offering. That's all we know. Um, and there's no difference in that respect. In, in the way it's phrased, there's no difference. What one gave something to God and the other gave something to God. Yet one of them, we're told, was approved by God and one of them wasn't. I wonder if you've ever thought, why? Well, how did they know? How, how did Cain know his offering wasn't approved and Abel knew that his offering was? Like when you go further on to Elijah on Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, were dancing around the fire, uh, sorry, around the altar, uh, around the bull, around the water, everything. Nothing happened. Elijah set it off, put all the water around it, and whew, fire. Actually, that's the wrong direction. I went, whew. I hope you noticed that. It was, whew, it was the other way around, wasn't it? The fire fell from God. So they knew, okay, which offering, Elijah or the prophets of Baal? Uh-huh. What happened with Cain and Abel? Well, there's a bit of meat here. There's some vegetables here. What happened? Well, we're not really given a, a, a lot more into, into what might be taking place. Um, although there definitely seems to be dialogue between God and his people on earth at that time. There had been with Adam and Eve. And the way the dialogue goes with Cain you get the impression that, yeah, there's real contact between God and, and the people, such that Cain and Abel knew what was going on, knew that one offering was approved and the other one wasn't. Although we, we're not really told just what happened to them, such that they knew. We know that they knew that one had given an offering that God said yes, and the other one had given an offering that God had said no. Again, we can look at the Old Testament to see how offerings can be acceptable or otherwise. It, it's not likely that, well, there's a bit of meat here and some fat. It says the fat portions. So this was a very nice. And here you've got your, your carrots and your leeks and your tomatoes. And God looks at it and thinks, yeah, I'll go in that way. Um, we're not given that. So is it something in the offering or is there something more? Let's look at the Old Testament uh, and, and see what's, uh, what's said here. Let's turn to a passage in, in Isaiah, first of all. Um, okay, this is chapter 58. Um, and it talks about fasting. Um, fasting 
seen as a, a religious observance, as something to do, something that God would want us to do as an offering to him. Um, but it's not clear just what the people were doing, but it seems to be the wrong sort of thing. Uh, is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves, only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke, share your food with the hungry, provide the wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them? And what we've got is a kind of practical way of living. Instead of something that's just a religious act between yourself and God, or between yourselves as congregation and God, what you've got is saying, yeah, but what about this situation? What about living life this way? It's no good doing the religious things if the things that you do outside of church don't look after your brother's keeper, if you like your brother. That was a problem for Cain, wasn't it? He, he wasn't looking after his brother. And these verses here suggest it's okay to be religious, but it, it, how is this being seen in your relationship with, with, with your brothers? Uh, likewise, in, in Micah, this is chapter 6 of, of, of Micah. And that's uh, sort of similar sort of thrust as well here. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Calves a year old. Something that uh, Abel did. Uh, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Oh, hang on, that's, that's Cain's bit as well then, isn't it? So it could be the meat or it can be the vegetables. Is this what God's looking for? Will the Lord be pleased with this? Mm. He has shown you what is good. Oh, sorry, the next line was critical as well because it says about the firstborn. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, uh, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? So, again, there is offering, but that offering needs to be seen in our relationships with him, walking humbly with him, but then showing mercy, showing justice to each other. So the offering is kind of bigger than what's being offered. There's something else taking place. We're talking about a, a life of an offering rather than simply what might we put in the plate it's what's taking place in life and, and, and that becomes our offering that's what God is, is looking for uh, even with, with Cain then there was a, a sense of uh, maybe giving just the vegetables and Abel had given that first burner. That was something precious. It matters what we give. But what we give is a reflection of who we are. 
That's why when Jesus saw the, uh, the, the woman at, uh, at the temple, this is Luke chapter 21, uh, and Jesus saw the rich putting in their gifts, he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. I tell you, she gave more. I think two offerings, one's accepted, one's not. Some of these times, it's not that any of these offerings are wrong, but there's something in the manner of, of which it's being given. The, the gift is important, and it, it's, not, it's not right to sort of say, well, what you give doesn't matter, because it does. But the gift is a reflection of us, the giver. And that's what God is looking for. He's, the, the widow, Jesus saw, if you like, in the widow, someone who gave her all. And that's why that was the acceptable offering. It wasn't the quantity, because the rich were giving a quantity. It's the fact that she was giving something that meant, that it says that's all she had to live on. Cain, Abel, we're told that, yeah, um, Cain just offered some of the vegetables, some of the fruit of the soil. Might have been a lot, we don't know. Um, Abel did use the, some from the firstborn, and the choice fat, if you like. Um, so maybe there's a clue there that Abel was the one who was giving what really mattered to him. There's a preciousness about firstborn. Uh, all of you with, with children will know that there's, there's nothing like the firstborn. And so to give the firstborn was a real token of offering. But the Bible says it was about faith. At the end of the day, it doesn't say, well, yeah, because he gave that firstborn, it may well be significant that he gave the firstborn. But the key seems to be that whatever Abel gave, he gave it in faith. And God commends faith. That's what this whole chapter is about. The, the fact that people demonstrated faith and they were commended. And so we have Abel being in that line and the first, if you like, human mentioned in, in that line. Abel was acting by faith. We know without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here we go. Because God, anyone who approaches him, must believe he exists. That's logical, isn't it? Well, sort of, surely. But people might give things thinking, well, I better had just in case. Or even on a, on a Sunday, well, not totally sure why, but maybe we ought to. Uh, or we'll have a good week if we give something in the offering. But yeah, faith, faith says, yes, there is God. Faith says, as we read in Micah, to live humbly before him, to acknowledge his place and to give to him. So Abel gave, and as we read in verse 6, he gives. Uh, so therefore he knows that God exists, and then he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. God rewards those who seek God. Hang on. So if there's a gift and a reward, is that adding a bit of a different constraint there? Hang on. That means if I give God 50p... I'll get a pound back. Um, 
I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, the, the, the reward is matching the gift. But we are told that God rewards those who act with faith. So God, Abel gave, and God will reward his giving. The question there is, when was Abel's reward coming? Because Abel wasn't around to receive much reward. Yeah, He gave, Abel gave, went to the field, bang, he's gone. Not just Abel. In, uh, in this book of Hebrews, in this, this uh, chapter, there's a couple more verses that say pretty much exactly the same thing. Uh, that was verse 6. Uh, I think it's verse 13. Uh, says all these people were still living by faith when they died. Um, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them. No connection with faith and sight again. Uh, they could see something, but they didn't receive their reward. Verse 39 at the end of the chapter, they were commended for their faith. None of them received what had been promised, for God had planned something better. So, there is a reward. Abel didn't see it in the here and now. But he knew, he could see, his reward was to come. Likewise, all these others, then the pattern is the same. That as we give to God, it's not such that we might receive our reward now. Sometimes we do. And in giving, we are blessed as we give. It's, it's, it can be a joy to give, and we're blessed in the joy that others get in receiving what we give. But the book of Hebrews is pointing somewhere else. It's pointing to Jesus. And our reward is with him in our future security with him. The assurance of the eternal life that he as for us. So in our giving, yeah, let's make it of ourselves. Let's give from the heart. Let's be generous and know that as we give in faith, we are investing in God's kingdom. And some aspects of God's kingdom are in the here and now. We're blessed in the here and now, but we might not see those blessings in the here and now. The investment is in our eternity with the Lord. Just one more thing, and that comes again at the end of the verse. So it's verse four. By faith, Abel speaks, even though he's dead. Hang on a minute. Abel speaks even though he's dead. Uh, and Jeremy read the verse, likewise, that said, to Cain, your brother's blood speaks from the ground. That seems quite unusual, this, doesn't it? Blood of somebody speaking from the ground. But it wasn't just in Genesis. Jesus said something about it as well. Um, this was in... Uh, I've not got the right text there, so, uh, but Jesus talked about the blood 
uh, of Abel and of Zechariah, if I can find this one. So it's Matthew 23, 35. Thank you, thank you, it's up here in front of me. And so you Pharisees will come and the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. So Abel's blood was speaking long after his death uh, to Zechariah, uh, who you murdered between the temple and the altar. Uh, there's a couple of Zechariahs that that might be, don't, without spending too much time on that one, because it mentions the son of, and that would refer to the prophet who was right at the end of the Old Testament. So maybe we're talking throughout the whole of the Old Testament. Um, but there wasn't Zechariah who got killed uh, in that place and around the temple mentioned in Chronicles. It doesn't matter. What, what matters is more Abel. And the fact that Abel's blood was speaking throughout. What was it saying? What was it saying? What was Abel saying from the dead? Nothing spooky here, incidentally. It's not some sort of, ooh, I can hear Abel speaking. Uh, I, I don't think it was anything like that. But there was something being said by Abel, and more specifically, by his blood. He'd been killed. Had he done anything wrong? No. So what does Abel teach us? Well, things can go wrong. Abel had done nothing wrong. He'd done exactly what he should have done before God. He'd done everything right. And what happened? Murdered. And so in life, maybe we can do everything right, but we don't necessarily see the rewards for it. And bad things happen. Bill Gates said something like that. He said, life's not fair, get on with it. Uh, and very often we can look at life and say it's not fair. Because bad things happen to good people. If you come along to Alpha, you'll know that that was, another, that was one of the questions somebody had from the other night. Why, why do these things happen? Why do bad things happen? It's because we're in, in the here and now. These things do happen. Maybe Abel's blood says something of that because something bad happened to somebody who'd done nothing wrong. Maybe there's a little bit more though. Maybe the blood of Abel does just say that little bit more. Said because even Jesus mentioned it. And there's a truth taking place about blood falling to the ground. Because very often blood falling to the ground is like seed that grows. What does the book of Hebrews do? Points us to Jesus. And so Abel's death from there still speaks and his blood points towards an eternity. Abel didn't receive justice. But in time, Abel will receive his reward. And that reward is because of somebody whose blood was shed, who's did buy us eternal life. Abel's blood didn't buy our salvation, didn't pay for our sins. But it's a picture of how a death and blood can do that. It was uh, Tertullian 
who's sometimes known for a quote, he was around about 100 years after Jesus, a bit longer. And he very famously uh, looked at the situation. So he's a, a Latin writer. Um, and he, he, he wrote into the church and what, what he could see. And at a time when Christians were being thrown to the lions, he was saying, okay, the more we're mown down by you, the more in numbers we grow. Ooh. It seems to have been a fact that in history, when the church has been persecuted, numbers have grown. Maybe it's because when you're in that situation, acknowledge Christ, go to the lions, or deny Christ, and you'll be okay. Continue your life here. When you're faced with that situation, and it's a situation none of us would ever want to be placed in, but we know when Christians have been placed in that situation, they'd rather go with Christ to death than look for their own safety. And because Christians have been prepared to do that, others have looked and said, there's something different about these people. Why are they doing it? They've either got to be totally mad or maybe they're being, <laughs> being drawn into some truth that must be the case. The truth is, Jesus died. He also rose to prove that we have life eternal with him as well. So all that is coming through Abel. Abel points us to Jesus. Abel demonstrated faith and maybe the only way he could do, he gave of his best. And because of that, he lost his life. But his blood spoke then, and we read from the scriptures, speaks today. Because the blood of Abel points to the blood of Jesus. And because of the blood of Jesus, we have an eternal security in, in him. Uh, one of my favorite hymns uh, often used is by George Matheson, as you, many will know, has a, a strong Scottish connection with both Glasgow and, and Edinburgh. And, and he wrote the hymn, Oh, love that, that wilt not let me go. Uh, I, here it is. I, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back. No, the offering, yeah? Giving it to God. I give thee back the life I owe. God doesn't know us. We, we owe God. We give it to him. That in his ocean depths, the flow will be richer, will be fuller. Maybe that's even speaking into life now. A richer, fuller life as we yield to him. A cross that lifteth up my head. I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life's glory dead. We're not going to the, uh, the story of George Matheson this time. He lost his sight and he was engaged to somebody who said, no, I don't want to know you anymore now that you've lost your sight. Uh, and, but from that brokenness, he wrote this and the emphasis for him was suddenly, yeah, he could see, not with his physical eyes, but he knew he could see his Lord. And so he could lay in dust. Life's glory is gone. But from the ground blossoms 
red. The, the blood is like that seed from which there is growth. That's what Tertullian said. It's like a seed. The, 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 the martyrs dying is seed for the church. As they die, people want to know more about Jesus. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you, going to, why are you allowing yourselves this horrendous death? Well, they did it because of Jesus. And in the same way, as we yield, as our offering, yeah, is on a Sunday, is in the offering plate, is through the bank, but is our offering that token of us? Is it all of us? Is it all that God is requiring of us to walk humbly before him, to show mercy, to act justly? And also the verse from Isaiah then as well, in terms of if somebody's not got the clothes, clothe them. Somebody's not got the food, feed them. If somebody's bound, release them. This is the offering that God is looking for. And in faith, as we give to him, we know that our eternity or our reward with him is secure. We're investing in our eternity. As we invest in our brothers, rather than say, who's my brother's, am I my brother's keeper? Alternatively, invest in those in here, in those who aren't in here, and in doing so, we're investing in our eternity in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message of Cain and Abel, and for the word that says the, the blood of Abel still speaks today. Even, even from the ground, even though he died, there's a message from Abel that says we need to give in faith. Oh Lord, because of who we are and because of who you are, help us to give in faith. Faith of who you are, it's the almighty God. Faith that you earnestly reward those who seek you. So we come to you not looking for anything other than to bless you, to praise you, to worship you, to yield to you, and know that in faith, the reward that you have for us is simply because you're the gracious God who loves us and who died for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it's his blood that we remember because it's his blood that brought us life. So Lord Jesus, we thank you and we say hallelujah, what a saviour. Amen.